0: Thanks for your company today. Now, as I mentioned, I'll well, be mentioning all week, haven't I? School's back this week, much to the joy of many parents who had that long, long, long summer holidays. Um, but just give us a moment, we'll start complaining about those lunch boxes all too quickly. It has got us thinking about the school system in general. We talk a lot about this program. There's a lot of NAPLAN testing. We seem to be going behind as a country. Well, someone who has an idea about what we should do, what we should be focused on that makes things better, is Elizabeth Farrelly. She's a writer and academic. And she thinks we should ban private schools. Elizabeth, hello. Hi, Jules. You're not missing your words at all. Like The the piece that you've written (laughs) for the Saturday paper is, I had one wish for Australia and it would be this. Ban private schools. All right, so let's talk about it, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, it always um, scandalises people in
1: Australia when you say this, but I, I, I think it's actually a very good and obvious idea.
0: Okay, let's start with the why then. What, what makes you think like this and, and why do you think it would well, be beneficial for everyone in the country to ban them entirely? Um, because I think, uh, you know, education is probably the most important single
1: thing that a government can do for its people and culturally speaking in terms of culture building. And one of the great benefits of, um, and across the board education is that you can make excellence available for everybody. Um, and by contrast with that, what we're doing now, which is becoming more and more, um, Uh, committed to a system that puts uh, quite often uh, public funds into private schools, but even leaving that aside, that that siphons off the wealthy and the well-to-do and, broadly speaking, the kids from educated backgrounds into special schools where where all the best teachers and the best facilities are focused and leaves the rest um, to Mm -hmm. go to the public schools is a system that's guaranteed to entrench what I like to think Australia doesn't believe in which is a class system.
0: Yeah, we, we talk about class warfare a lot and Elizabeth I feel like since the beginning of time it's felt like these people in better areas or the more well off send their kids to private schools and then there is the public system that allows opportunity for all in theory. Mm. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> what do you think has changed though over the last decade or so that means that you that has that gap sort of broadened or why do you feel so strongly about it? Now. Well,
1: there are a number of reasons. Um, uh, and one is that, um, you know, all of the graphs show, and particular income inequality graphs show that Australia has become, which was in the 1970s, was roughly equal with Scandinavia and New Zealand and the UK in terms of equality, is now um, wildly unequal. The, the chasm between the wealthy and the less wealthy um, has broadened dramatically. And and it's not, I mean, I think the argument is not just that that's really unfair, which it is, um, because it blights those children who might be blindingly talented but mm. don't get to express that in their lives. But it also reduces the cultural richness, which we all enjoy, and you know, should be able to enjoy. And a, and a more equal society not only has... Um, you know, is more able to access the, the skills and talents uh, and brilliance of all of its students, not just those who go to particular schools, but also has across all of the other social indicators from, you know, drug taking to domestic violence to um, teenage pregnancy to high school dropout, all of those indicators of social well-being are higher, dramatically higher in more equal societies than ours. So I think that it's not just an equity argument. It's also about, um, you know, building a, a good, resilient and really fertile culture.
0: And you don't think it's about strengthening the public school system, pour more money into public schools. You definitely believe we need to get rid of private schools to get this equality back. I
1: do, yes, because I think the choice argument is actually a furphy because it only gives choice to the rich people. <laughs> so it's not actually choice, it's preference, it's privilege, you know, and and so um, I think one of, you know, Finland is a very good example of this because they, their system was very similar to ours in many ways back in the 60s and 70s and uh, in, in the sense that it had you know streaming classes and private schools, and the wealthy kids got to um, be advantaged by those things, but they decided through a parliamentary decision and then through a whole lot of I think very enlightened policy making to to ban private schools because they wanted to this idea of making an excellent education available to everybody, regardless for free. Um, was really important to them, uh, you know, culturally. And so that and that idea of a, a highly educated society was was important, and also a huge reverence for teachers, for for fine teachers. And um, and I because to ask, of that,
0: sorry, Elizabeth, uh, so, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to ask. So, so I understand the sentiment, and you want to make this excellent, uh, world class education system and have access to all. Is what hmm. every government around the world w- would, would strive for, but how did they put that in place? I'm keen to the, the mechanisms. I just if you sort of get rid of private schools yeah, altogether, well, they, and then the, the how? How do they, they do did that?
1: Actually, ban private schools. I mean, it was um, as simple, and also of course not as simple as that, but it was. So all of the education money um, went into the public system, and and um, private schools come to an end, um, and. Uh, coupled with that, they also they made a whole lot of other smaller moves, I suppose, like reducing the length of the school day and um, the number of teaching hours and increasing the the play time that children get and increasing the holiday periods. Um, so it sounds counterintuitive, and that's what, mm. what um, Parsi Salberg, Sa- who is the educator who's written about all this at length um, calls the Finnish paradox and, and what but what's interesting about all that which sounds idealistic in an Australian context it sounds almost impossible um, but, but they showed that it's not impossible and also that if you do it there over about three decades um, the, their performance in the OECD measurement of these things uh, took them to the top of the tables, So from being somewhere around the sort of bottom middle, they soared in about 30 years to the top. And now they've, they've dropped back a little bit because of COVID and various other things, but they're now sort of second and third kind of place just behind Japan. And so it's uh, where we, Australia, much further down the tables. And actually, as you mentioned, going backwards in terms of our own measurements like yeah. NAPLAN
0: we are going backwards, but we seem to have this. We have a testing mechanism. It seems to pit school against school. And you're saying the experience mm. in Finland is quite different. They do it completely opposite to us, and yet they're getting mm. better results. So perhaps yeah, something to look forward. Interesting. In terms of teaching as well, teachers. I'm just going to make an assumption that they're better paid. Yes, yes, I think they're better paid. And although there's again there's less difference between, for example,
1: the principal and the other teachers, where we tend to put huge emphasis on leadership and make a very hierarchical system. They have. um, This is also true in Germany. They pay head teachers and and at universities people like vice chancellors less comparatively and um, not as much more, if you like, than than the ordinary academics and teachers. And they also, but they require the teachers to be very highly educated. They have at least one and often two postgraduate degrees, um, including a subject-based degree and an education qualification. And um, so it's it, teaching in Finland has, is now up there in with law and medicine as the kind of highly revered profession and that means of course that it's very competitive and that um the cleverest and and i suppose also the most altruistic kids um strive to get into it and it's quite difficult to do Mm -hmm. so so the reverence for teachers is um significant and is reflected in their pay but it's not i don't think they're paid you know enormous amounts but they're paid well and they're really looked up to by the culture and and further they're also given um an enormous amount of responsibility to make judgments about what's the best thing for, their, for the children in their class and for their school. And so particular teachers in particular schools are allowed to exercise a lot more judgment than we allow within
0: our system. a bit more autonomy. There'll be teachers listening to this, I reckon, Elizabeth saying, yes, please, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for the thought-provoking essay or document written in the Saturday paper. It got me thinking, Elizabeth, and I'll continue to delve into what's going on in Finland. I appreciate it.
1: It's fascinating. Okay.
0: Thank you, Jules. Good El- to talk. Thank you. It's Elizabeth Farrelly, writer and academic, and she's had a look at what's going on in Finland and they have extraordinary results in their education system. And so she argues we should get rid of private schools. What do you think? One double three eight eighty two. should private schools be banned?